Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide, the Athletics Blue Jackets podcast. This is episode two. These are going to pile up in a hurry when we start doing two a week, uh, which is this week. We'll do one today, we'll do one Friday, and then we are in full go. Uh, Traverse City coming up this weekend for the Blue Jackets. Holy smokes. Um, Next week, training camp will be underway. It's still 92 freaking degrees outside, but it it is suddenly hockey season. Uh, Aaron Portson here with The Athletic, joined by Allison Lucan of The Athletic. Uh, Allison, say hello to the fine folk out there so they know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> hello, everybody. And what? remind me of the other guy's name who beeped in here. Thomas. Thomas Tom. Reed. <laughs> yes, Tom. Sorry. Tom Reed, how are you doing? It's way too hot. Uh, it's very cringe. <laughs> yeah, you're inside, I hope. Of course. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there's some there's some words rolling up on that athletic Blue Jackets page. Uh, Tom had a fantastic story on Pierre Luc Dubois, who has only gotten bigger. Uh, really nice read on Kenny McCudden, uh, the Blue Jackets assistant coach, whose energy has really brought some life to the organization. I managed to sit down with John Tortorella for the second annual. I hesitate to call it annual. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to jinx it. Uh, second year in a row we've done it anyways. And he was, he cannot be unquotable. He's always a, a tremendous quote. So all of that's up there and, and more content is continuing to flow as, as things pick up here. There, uh, are the, last, there, are Nixon, there are the Nixon Frost interviews and then, then there are the Portsy and Tortsy. How about the uh, story with Barry Trotz? That's, uh, I literally, the, uh, I, the, the phrase, I hate the phrase LOL. Yeah. I, 
when we I think it's lazy, but I literally LOL'd on that on the story of him coming back in the plane. You LOL'd? I did. I, I, I literally reading it. I, I laughed out loud reading that because he, I guess we've all seen Torts enough. Fans have seen it enough on, on, yeah. on, on post-game interviews that you right. can almost hear him saying it as he's explaining it to you. Right. And I can just see his hand motions and his face getting his neck getting constricted as he's right. telling the story. It's hilarious. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I love him him saying, "Here comes Trots up the aisle like a penguin." Yeah. Like this is how we talk of our friends. Uh, yeah, yeah. Imagine your enemies. Um, so yeah. So last in the uh, podcast, the first one we started, the one we did on Friday, we went hard and heavy on Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky, the Blue Jackets two players who are sort of not sure what's coming up here for them. That's going to be the story that's here uh, with the Blue Jackets all year uh, until such time as it's settled. Uh, but I thought today we would sort of go at two other. The big areas of this roster uh, that have been tweaked, one for the better, one assumes, uh, one appears to have taken, at least on paper, a half step, maybe a full step back. Um, and that's the center ice position where the Blue Jackets added Riley Nash. It was a position that was in upheaval all of last year. And then on the back end and letting Ian Cole and Jack Johnson leave uh, via free agency, and now the Blue Jackets, it, it can be good. That back end can be good. The potential is there for sure. Uh, but once you get past that first pairing with Wierenski and Jones, I think the the Blue Jackets, the benefit of depth uh, that they had on defense for the last couple of seasons uh, is, has been frittered away a bit. Um, you do have to turn things over and let the kids take over. The natural part of the process. Uh, but I think that's now a question mark where, where before it was seen as a as a strength, let's start at the center ice position. Um, I don't know which of you wants to go here first, but what do you think Riley Nash does to that center ice position? What sort of questions does it raise and how does he raise and how do you see if you had to go one, two, three, four at the start of camp? How does this team align on, on paper? Whoever Allison, wants that one first. Allison, you can go first. <laughs> Of course. Thank you, Tom. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, I, Porter, you and I talked about this a little bit um, here during one of our, our chats off offline. But Riley Nash is perhaps what I think is the strongest move the Jackets made this offseason. I think it's a sneaky, quiet addition. I think the depth obviously is huge. We saw the, the, the tension it placed on the organization when they didn't have that center depth last year. So first and foremost, just to have that depth is is key. Um, this is a player who showed he could play even higher in the lineup than maybe he had been projected when uh, injuries kind of came and, and called for some of the Boston Bruins, which is a team that is a, is a, is a high-caliber team as well. So he was able to step up in the lineup, which is important. Um, and I'm working on a piece here actually for training camp where – there's some things that Riley Nash does away from numbers that we traditionally look at that really make him a high caliber player in terms of transition um, and north south play that, that I think is going to be huge, huge for this Jackets team. Um, in terms of the, of the one, two, three, four, that's hard. I mean, I was I was literally drawing out the numbers as you talked. I think, gosh, um, wow, that's rough. 
you know, do, do they swing Dubinsky out from the center position maybe to keep him higher in the lineup? I don't know. But my, my first gut was 18-10-2017 was the first lineup I, I wrote out just out of gut instinct. 100% agree. I To me, that makes the – I think that's how it starts. Sedlak is your fifth. Yep. And maybe Sedlak to the wing on the on the fourth line. However, that sorts itself out. Yep. But I think I think they want Dubinsky to sort of work his way up the chain of command again. It can happen quickly for sure, but I think that's how it wants to start. Tom, what are your thoughts? What does Riley Nash bring, and how does this, how do you sort this whole thing out? Yeah, I I, I completely agree on the order there. Uh, Dubois, uh, Wenberg, Nash, and uh, Dubinsky, and I think in some ways, don't you also think that? Given the, the difficult season that Dubinsky had last year, it's it's also it's insurance. I think Riley Nash's insurance to make sure they're not going to get caught. Uh, if, if Dubinsky starts out the season struggling, you know the hope is that he's going to be much improved from last year. Um, but they they know at least for sure they've got somebody in that three hole that will be uh, that, that should help them. And, and, and Allison's right. I when I think it was Bergeron that went down for a stretch um, stretch last year. And, and Nash, I think, moved, bumped up, and played really well. Yeah. So that's an encouraging sign uh, for the Blue Jackets. And I agree. That, that was a, a nice, solid, solid pickup. Uh, a veteran player uh, should really help them. Um, uh, a good job. And, and we'll see. And, and I also agree that, that, that maybe they start out with trying Sedlak and Wayne. Um, but, you know, the Dubinsky thing will be a – uh, a very interesting uh, part of training kids in the preseason in the early season, uh, how he bounces back from last season. The, uh, the benefit of depth for me, uh, and this is what you guys have, have talked about, but just real specifically, it ends the idea that Boone Jenner maybe can just play center in the NHL. It ends the idea that Felino. Uh, shoots to the middle. I mean, his production goes through the floor. He's trying to play center. Um, not ideal. It also, and Allison, you've talked about this before, this is the sort of stuff that interests people who really pay attention to the finer points of the game. Riley Nash, a right shot, and now you've got a bunch of left-handed left-wingers who are licking their chops to maybe have a right-handed centerman. Yeah, for sure. I, You know, and that's it, it's those it's those little things that make the big things happen, right? And I think that right. this is a this is a team that when they've been at their best, and I think we saw it after the deadline last year as well, when they shore up that third and fourth line with players that the coaching staff really trusts, that's when this team gets rolling. And so that's where all these little things whether Riley Nash plays up and breaks into the top six or stays in the bottom six, it just makes them so much stronger. And that feeds the production up and down the lineup. Yeah. And, and it's, it's such a, it's such a painful lesson yep. and teams learn it over and over again. It's like in football, when your line's not good enough, either direction, if you're not strong down the middle, you are weakened everywhere. It's just impossible to be a really, really formidable forward team if you if you don't know what's happening right down the spine of your team and you can't this helps them a lot and you uh, can't in this division you can't 
You have no choice. If they in this division, uh, we've we've seen it the last two playoff years, the last three playoff years. I mean, they were comprehensively beaten down the middle in the playoffs last year. Washington them down the middle uh, in a faceoff circle, and just the players themselves: Kuznetsov, Backstrom, even Jay Beagle. I think Jay Beagle's still winning faceoffs in that series. Yes, he is. Yeah, and you know the other thing, and, and Tortorella hinted at this. Well, he didn't hint it; he said it. Um, they need Alexander Wenberg to come to camp pissed off that he lost his number one spot. Like I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, geez, maybe Riley Nash is their second line center, and Wenberg settles into a checking role. That would be a huge disappointment if that's how that settles out. They need Alexander Wenberg. This is fifth year, fourth year, fifth year. That he needs to be pissed off that Pierre-Luc Dubois is his team's number one centerman. And I don't know. I don't know if he has pissed off as a as a gear necessarily, but that's that's what I think they they need to see from him. And if that if the battle for the number one position in training camp is is keen, then that's that's a really good sign for them. Thoughts on that, anyone? Well, hopefully, Wenberg is as pissed off as your pup there in the background, Porty. <laughs> that's not my pup. That's oh, my dog. You can apologize any time now. I can guarantee Simon will be a guest. He will he will appear frequently during these podcasts. Uh, when my when my uh, daughter was about three weeks old, I was doing a radio spot in Vancouver, and she was taking a nap out cold. Not for long, just started wailing in the background. And the guys from Vancouver, every time I'm on the air, they still remind me of that. Um, so center ice is different. Uh, more formidable, deeper, lots of questions there, but I, I think there's comfort that the answers will be uh, better this year than they were last season. Now the the sort of curiosity concern, if you will, shifts to the back side. Uh, Why well, everybody knows Seth Jones is a hoss. Everybody knows Wierenski is an up-and-coming star in this league. Savard's a solid right-side second-pair guy. After that, you've got question mark on every sweater that could align there. Is it Ryan Murray that lines up next to Savard in the second pair at the start? Is it Nudavara? And, and whoever slides of those two, Murray or Nudavara, to the third pair, who, pray tell, is on the right side there? Is it Carlson? Is it Harrington? Is it Dean Kukan? Harrington and Kukan both have one-way contracts, so give them the edge. Uh, is it uh, one of the one of the two-way guys they signed uh, this summer, perhaps Adam Clendenning. There's There are lots of candidates right now. I don't know if there's any solid answer. What does this blue line uh, look to you guys like, the second and the third pairings? And how how does this just feel like a shift from from being stronger up front and being now weaker in the back? Or are you as confident in this defensive crew as Yarmo Kikalainen seems to be, especially the depth of it? Tom, you get to go first this time. That's fine. I No, I would be concerned. I, I think until we see it, until we see these guys come and play every day, and I think you, we may have mentioned this the last podcast, but, you know, this is part of the big part of this is now going to be Ryan Murray has to be healthy. Yes, uh, they need Ryan uh, Ryan Murray to be able to play a ton of games this year, given the the, the depth situations. 
And boy, things just got so much better at the end of last season when Ian Cole got in here. Oh, and didn't they? I mean, it's just, it was night and day. I mean, uh, how much they improved. And to lose him, I think everyone in the organization kind of understands that's a big loss. And we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I don't know. I think they'll. I think there'll be a lot of experimenting. I know in your Q and A with Torts, he kind of discussed this. He jumped on you right away. I know where you're going with this first question. Are we going to? Forty. It seems like you wanted to break up that first pair for three to three years. I. I don't think I asked about it once last year. But anyways. But yeah. <laughs> I just love how he anticipates your questions. Yeah. Uh, but but you know what? It may. If 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 they start slowly, and if if the if the second and third pair does struggle it's an it has to be considered as an option uh, we'll see where they go with it i think new devar is going to be fine i guess i'm always the resident new devara booster i i think he's i think he's a good player i think he's kind of where the nhl is going not as like a star or anything but they love the skating they love the first passability that's kind of the the way that the nhl was plays this way he likes to you know he makes a good those good home run passes up the middle of the ice I think he'll be fine. I think Ryan Murray's fine as long as he's healthy. But it, you know, availability is a big part of, of ability, as they say. Yeah. The other, I think just question mark. What was that? I think the others are question marks. I think Savard will be fine, of course. Yeah. But who, who Savard plays with is going to be an sure. issue. And can they play with him? Uh, we've seen it work both ways. Savard's had some tremendous stretches in the last two years. Two years ago. Yeah. He and he and Johnson were terrific. Last year they weren't so good. And then when they when they brought in Ian Cole, Savard looked like his uh, defensive defensive best. Uh, but again, it could depend on the pairing. Yeah, and I I'm interested to see what Savard looks like with a partner that's not a thumper. That's more of a mobile to modern NHL defenseman. Tom, to use. Uh, your phrase earlier, the the puck moving type that's that's taken over the league here, that that will be different because Savard has sort of licked his chops and just blasted people, uh, quick plays, get the puck out of the zone, but not really an offensive type role. He's had a physical guy next to him. This time he may have a less than physical guy uh, next to him. Not bad, just a different look. Mm-hmm. Allison, your thoughts on second pair, third pair, and and how this may may settle down. Yeah, you know, I of course I'm sitting over here drilling into numbers as you guys are talking and uh, no, I, I sorry, I know it's a shock. Um, Nudivar and Savard, they were each other's uh, top partners after the usual suspects last season. So there's there's some precedent there for that pairing. Um, and to play on Tom's point, I mean, I, I'm I'm high on Nudivar too. He's he excels in terms of generating offense. He excels in terms of transitioning the puck. He has only gotten better in both of those measures year over year. And so as I kind of look here and, and look at what mixes I might start out with, I think I would go with Nudie and Savard for your second pair because you do have that physical presence of Savard that can take on more of a, the pure defensive side, whereas Nudie is, is your puck mover. He's your Seth Jones, Zakarensky light, and you kind of push him up there to see if those two skill sets complement. And I think – whether it's Kukan or Harrington, I, I personally tend to lead a little bit towards Kukan to start, um, but pair him with Murray to give that seasoning to the third pair and, and see what shakes out there. That's kind of my initial read on on how these guys go. But Nudie is, as Tom said, 
he is filling the model of what the modern day NHL defenseman looks like. And that's, that's a good thing. That could be a really interesting compliment to Savard this year. Now put, put yourself into Bradshaw's spot. Allison, you would have no trouble with the intellect aspect of that role. Tom, I love you, but who is your, what's your shutdown pair? Okay. You've got Jones and Wierenski that can play. In any situation, you know, you, you're, they're over the boards whenever their lungs are ready to go again. But when you're protecting a two-to-one lead late and you need a second pair to go out, uh, who are you sending it if it's Murray Savard, if it's Nudavara Savard? Who, is it just that second pair? Is it Nudavara Savard, or, or are you comfortable with that as a shutdown pair? Well, I think this is what begs the bigger question is what does what is shutdown defense and how much of a good defense is good offense, right? So it's a valid question, but I think a shutdown pair looks a little different than it did maybe three to four years ago. Um, I'm pulling up. Of course, I'm pulling up. Um, when this Number. team When this team was up one or down one, Seth Jones was your leader in time on ice followed by Zach if you're down one, and then Jack if you're up one. Um, so Jack, you, think about that. Yeah. So who's your Jack is what I'm saying. Well, close right in there. So if you look at time five on five, time on ice, up one last season, the order went three, seven, eight, 58. So does 350. Just, the, right. Those are the, the top two pairs. Does 358 fill in there of the balance his next choice who's right in there in the measure is murray he's right in there yeah. with savard yeah well don't forget also that what, what they did remember they did this two years ago a lot and toward the end of the season they did it again as they moved murray up with right. uh with with jones late yep. in game yep, yep. Uh, right. at some point you, you talk about getting pissed off earlier about uh uh, about uh, Wenberg. At some point, I have to think that he's such a nice guy. But Wierenski, at some point, this has to piss him off. Like, I'm good enough to be trusted late in games with one goal. Yes. Yeah. I would have to think that's going to motivate him, and enough is enough. I'm going to be out there. And I and I want to agree with that, Allison's point earlier. I think is that as when we look, is the, the game is evolving, and it, it, it depends on how what kind of defense when you have. Uh, you know, you can probably look at some of those Penguins teams from a couple of years ago and say, well, who was their shutdown there after their first pair? I don't think they necessarily had one, and they were still able to win Stanley Cups. Obviously, they have great players elsewhere. But so there's times where I think you can just say, look, we don't have a shutdown pair. Our, our first pair is going to play a ton of, ton of ice time, and we'll find guys that make it work on the second pair that aren't necessarily two defensive defensemen. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, like Murray is the guy on the backside that is uh, the equivalent of Wenberg on the front side. Guys that have had, and Wenberg doesn't have the long, frustrating injury history that Murray does, but he was banged up last year, and that's the reason that's been given for his struggles. Uh, to your comment earlier, uh, Tom, Murray has to stay healthy. That's obvious. And some of these, some of these have not, quote, been on him. I mean, the, the broken hand is weird. I mean, he's had some strange stuff. Didn't you break an ankle or something? Um, but like this, the number two overall pick in the draft, this is a hell of a hockey player. And at some point, it, it, and maybe it's now, <laughs> they need him to elevate 
and B, there's no reason he shouldn't be close to Jones Wierenski caliber. He should be the third best defenseman on this team, no question. And I think that's the challenge that's before him this year. I I, I liked what a couple of things that Tortorella said that, that Murray he sensed a different level of feistiness and competitive level in the playoffs, which I think at times, not only you could ever say that he's been dogging it necessarily, but there have been times where he doesn't look like he's just possessed uh, with winning, just oh, just absolutely uh, would kill to win. And maybe there needs to be a little ratcheting up in that area of his game. And the other thing, uh, one of you mentioned this earlier about Wierenski playing late in games. Uh, they they haven't necessarily him in his defensive zone. Uh, we've heard people grumble. We've grumbled a bit, too, with the pace at which he goes back on pucks. There's a he can look rather lax in his own zone or maybe nonchalant is, is the phrase. Um and Tortorella basically said, you know, I didn't know what to do with him last year because the injury. Maybe I didn't coach him right. Maybe I was too hard in places. But I'm when once I find out that he is good to go, that he's got both arms, that his uh, labrum surgery and his shoulder is, has improved, that he's going to start hammering home uh, the 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 challenge of playing smart and playing well defensively. And that's as stern as I've heard him or really anybody in the organization talk critically about Wierenski's game. So I think they feel like there's another level for him to get there defensively, uh, frankly, before they trust him in those really heavy moments late in games. And you you bring up such an important point, Porty. I think that it, you know, we talk about this defensive depth and the lineup when it's completely healthy. I mean, we don't know when Zach Wierenski will be ready to play. And this is a player who is so talented and so young that, that you cannot rush this. And, and the oh. team and the team and fans are going to have to be patient. And, and my gosh, then what do things look like, you know, October 4th, if, if, if rightly so, Wierenski isn't playing because he shouldn't be playing yet. It's just such a wrinkle. Yeah. And, and you know what, if he's not ready, then tough toodles. You're exactly your third, your third pair has to be, uh, Harrington and Kukan for two weeks, yep. whatever. Um, I, yeah, I'm with, and then look, this, we're not saying anything. The blue jackets don't know. I mean, this is their, this is their baby, their franchise piece. He's got to be 100% healthy, but I do think people should prepare for him. Perhaps not. We don't know. The club has sort of said he may not be ready, and then they've they've also put out several things that have said he's ahead of schedule. Right. So I, I'm not sure I'm not sure where it stands. He may not be on the ice for for the first day of camp. He may not play in the preseason games. We shall see. Um, but yeah, that's boy, and that's the other thing. You take you know for you never has a team played six defensemen in a season, right? You always right. go eight or nine deep. What does that look like now, right? Where you've got Kukan playing a lot. You've got Harrington, who's been here for five years and played five games or something ridiculous. He might be playing a lot. Uh, Clendenning might be a regular if there's any injuries on that back end. So it's it's uh, it's interesting. And you may find in there a, a guy that's a hell of a player. Maybe Dean Kukan 
really, really grabs it and goes, and you got something. I mean, that's what they think. That's what a one-way contract means. Uh, so that that could be a wrinkle as well. What uh, what else do we need to talk about? Anything, guys? Are you feeling the hot? It's 88 degrees at 10:30 in the morning. Are you feeling the hockey, or does that not happen until the first frost? Oh, I, I think it'll be it'll be. I can't wait for you guys. Can't wait for you guys to leave. Actually, <laughs> I, I can't wait to start getting reports about some of the young guys. You guys are leaving. Friday, right? Is, is, is it Friday? Friday morning. Yep. So I think people are going to, I always enjoy, you know, checking out and listening to what you guys have to say about Traverse City and how some of those young kids look. Um, and, you know, we get going from there. And some of these young guys, it'll be fun to, 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 even if we don't see them this year, just how, what their progress is. And then we roll right into camp. So whether it's hot or not, it's it's as you said it's hockey season and it's exciting and uh, boy the Blue Jackets are going for a third consecutive playoff season which is you know who thought Porty you and I would be talking about that six or seven years ago yeah no doubt Tom do you know what the high temperature on Friday in Traverse City is don't, don't start with me oh, don't start with oh, me. upper sixties you know what lows in the you low fifties right as far as I'm concerned. I bet the trees, the the leaves are starting to just the tips turning a little crunchy red, brown, gold. You're just gonna leave me here in the heat dome. Uh, Listen, Center what? Ice Arena up in Traverse is honestly what I say is the coldest arena in all of hockey, and I've never been Wonderful. more excited to go sit it for hours on end than I Wonderful. am this weekend. It's wonderful. I'm still trying to capture the picture. I need a professional photographer, clearly, of the scouts that all sit in the one end of the building. They all, I don't, someone must plan this, they all wear black pants and black pullovers, and they, they look like crows sitting in the rafters looking down on the, <laughs> the young prospects. It's fantastic. So great. It's fantastic. Well, thanks for your time, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you heard that serious jam on the way in here. Uh, that's David Cook. Our, our good friend who's touring with, what's her name again, Allison? Taylor Swift. Oh, KK. right. Taylor Swift. We have a friend. Oh, my God. We're one away from Taylor Swift, guys. That's this is that's crazy. Um, <laughs> coffee next time she's in town. Uh, give David Cook Music a follow. Tell him what you think of the theme song. I love it. And you're going to walk out to some David Cook music here as well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, speaking with you on Friday live from Traverse City if things go well on Buddy Holly Airlines. Uh, We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great couple of days. Take care.